listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. Hello, everybody. I'm Jeremy Shear. The podcast is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. Now, You've probably heard of this little website called YouTube. It gets about 1.7 billion unique monthly visitors. It's the world's second most visited website, according to something I read online. I also read online that something around 700,000 hours of video are streamed on the platform every single minute of the day, which is pretty remarkable. So yeah, YouTube is pretty attractive for content marketers. And that's not exactly news. But producing a video and just throwing it up on YouTube and then doing nothing else, that's not going to get it done. You have to understand how the platform works, what kind of videos work well there, the quirks of the algorithm, all that stuff. And not to mention YouTube shorts. What's going on with that? It's like a new addition to the platform. Should you be getting into it? So in this episode, we're doing a deep dive into YouTube with a little help from my guest today. He's Sergey Ross. Sergey is co-founder of Sway, which is a company that builds and executes B2B video strategies. Sergey, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Happy to be here, Jeremy. Thank you for inviting. So what's, what do you think is the main thing that B2B marketers tend to not quite understand about YouTube? I think it's a combination of factors, not being able to spend much time on video because there are so many different things that needs to be done and and marketing needs to deliver leads. And uh, a lot of times it's yesterday. The things that are helpful to understand YouTube is understanding how algorithm works, understanding why videos, one, some videos perform better than others, and also seeing good examples of B2B videos that rank quite well. So those would be helpful. There are lots of different ways to measure which videos work, what matters, frequency, or is it click-through rate? Uh, but it really comes down, in our opinion, to really three things. It's click-through rate, how many people are clicking on the video based out of a certain number of impressions, mm-hmm. how often videos are being produced, uh, frequency matters a lot, and one-minute retention rate. How many folks are watching the video after 30 seconds? That's what the YouTube official measures, and after 60 seconds. If those things are done well, the video will be incredibly well-performing. Usually, it's one of these three categories that doesn't quite work. And that's what we would look at uh, when we are, we, would, when we would audit the channel. And click-through rate, that would be titles and thumbnails most of the time. That's where people would be. Thumbnails, 70%, and title, usually it's 30%, what accounts for people clicking or not clicking on the video. Okay, so let's start right there. Titles and thumbnails. What are some best practices around those to get that click-through rate? There's no one specific way to, to do it, Jeremy, to be honest. Ideally, the, the, the titles have the keywords that already ranked reasonably well on YouTube over the last 12 months. There are multiple ways to do it. The easiest option, to at least to start before we get to, the, to anything advanced, is to when a video is being produced, likely content marketers already have a title. Uh, just copy-pasting it into YouTube and hit and search and seeing what comes up. That's already pretty good. You already would see something that is related. Um, you already would see the videos that um, have ranked reasonably well, um, and ideally they are uh, that are they are in the last twelve months. Um, and then that would be one way to do it. The other way to do it is also to install a plugin VidIQ, 
for YouTube. And it does all sorts of things. But really what we're looking for is to see how many subscribers that each channel has without actually clicking on the channel. So when you're going to search uh, and you would search for best B2B practices uh, on Zoom, for example, and um, then it will just show you not only the views, but it will show you also number of subscribers for each channel. And what you're looking for is the number of videos that have higher views than subscribers. That usually means that for whatever reason, that video punched above its weight. And that is the title that you should be thinking about and considering adjusting uh, and, and using for your video. And a lot of times it's a good idea to copy the title if it makes sense. If you can't copy it completely, then using at least a part of it in your video, that helps. So, so you mean literally copy the title of, uh, of an existing video and just use that as your title? Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Because if it, hel- if it actually fits your video, that's not a bad tactic uh, because your video is going to be still unique. And the fact that YouTube algorithm already used that title or had that video and it pushed it using the algorithm and it showed it to a lot of people, um, that's good. That means that you would likely get more views uh, using a similar title, the same or similar title, if your video fits, if the title fits the content. It's really important not to use it in a clickbaity manner because yeah. essentially people drop off and that video doesn't do, doesn't do well at all. So I, I, I guess I'd be concerned, and, and I'm sure you'll have a good explanation for this, but I'd be concerned that copying that title or even doing a title that's like pretty similar would, would benefit that other video, that when people are searching for whatever the, you know, their question is, that other video is going to come up because it's been around longer. Absolutely. Absolutely. That video will be getting traffic regardless of what happens. If it's relatively recent, it will be getting views. It would be getting comments. Regardless, what we are looking to do is we are looking to find a video or to create a video that would benefit somehow from a halo effect if possible. Now, Mm. a lot of it also depends, of course, on how many subscribers the channel has, when this was posted, and distribution strategy outside of YouTube, how many people actually, how we, we would show the video beyond YouTube. So we're not just relying purely on organic reach, which is quite difficult to achieve sometimes on YouTube. I would look at it from that perspective. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So it's okay if that other video gets, like you said, it's going to get traffic anyway. So you might as well kind of ride that, ride that wave and get traffic along with it. Mm -hmm. 100%. And and what you're looking for uh, is to hopefully, if your video is really good and uh, a lot of it is, comes from, from the hook, comes from having a strong opener, having, having a having good information that people would want to be watching, it's to get into a suggested category. If you, if your video, if YouTube pushes your video into suggested, which would be the, the sidebar on the, on, on the right mm-hmm. side, the, on a desktop app, that's where a lot of the traffic, a lot of people would be coming in and, and you would see a lot of folks sign up, signing up for your channel. That said, it's extremely difficult to do with B2B because it's such a niche topic. And yeah. how niche is it? And normally, a good performing video in B2C would be 100,000 views, 500,000 views, million views. That's a really well-performing video. In B2B, Michael Jordan-level video rarely gets above 10,000 views. Mm. So 10,000 views is basically, that's like the, that's an Everest almost of B2B. But very rarely, B2B videos get over 10,000 views. So that just shows the level of how niche this is. And, and, and that's a really important consideration because, for example, 
we've done a webinar for for a B2B company that got 5,000 views. They've they've got multiple multiple opportunities from that from that one webinar that got 5,000 views and it performed and, and we we got 150 subscribers in the last month and a half out of one video. So so it's it's all very relative because especially when we're when folks are just coming on YouTube and they see these crazy numbers, that's not what happens in B2B. But that doesn't mean that that's what's necessary because as as we all know, you get 200 views if 50 of those are from qualified folks. Job well done, that's a home run. That's really good to know, right? As a kind of a benchmark for what what kind of numbers are you even looking for to begin with? Yeah. Right? And I exactly. suppose it's all too easy just to look at any video and be like, whoa, that one got 5 million views. Okay, we need to get 5 million views or, you know, but right, if you're super niche, like in B2B, that's, there just probably aren't even 5 million people on the planet who would be interested in, in the content of your video, right? So Extremely difficult. Yeah. So, so let's say a few words about uh, the thumbnails, because you also mentioned that it's, it's the titles, right? And then the thumbnails mm-hmm. that really help determine yeah. the click-through rate. So what, are, what should B2B marketers be doing with thumbnails? I, I would say there are a variety of ways to make thumbnail look good. The common mistake or the common route that B2B uh, marketers go for, and, and you should not be doing that, is they go for a webinar-style template. They go for a webinar-style template where they put somebody in a circle or they put somebody in the corner and there's certain images that, that are not meaningful. They, don't, they just look beautiful. They're just purely for, for visual attractiveness. They take most of the thumbnail. And there's a small font of, of something in there, which you can't find. That's a big mistake on, on YouTube. And this is something that is it's a fight. It's always a fight with designers and the bigger the company, the, the often the harder the fight is because you need to change the design language. There's a specific designs for YouTube where you want to, you want to have big words, usually a few, a few words. It could be a quote. It could be four or five words that are not the same as the title. So it's something that really would pique people's attention. People's faces, the bigger that you can make them, the better. That that's usually uh, really depends how many folks are, but people, but but big faces and any relevant background that would would truly be interesting would be uh, something that would create curiosity. So it's a lot to do with not just the attractiveness, but something that people would would be curious to see. Um, and the reason I I'm not giving concrete examples because B two B is quite difficult. Like if you're talking about a certain white paper. Are you going to be put in a picture of white paper? Probably not. You want to have something <laughs> right. a little bit more concrete, more contextual. The, what you don't want to do is purely copy the typical YouTube B2C style thumbnails with where they're a little obnoxious. And we've seen a lot of them where folks are pointing fingers or they have like this giant fire or they yeah. have uh, a, a nuclear a rocket or something. Those are good, but they are a little bit too crazy, a little bit too extreme a little bit too desperate for B2B. So there's this fine balance of, of, of creating a thumbnail. What I would say is it needs to be simple. You don't want to be making more than three, four colors realistically and not replicating the title. You do not need to replicate the title because that's just a waste of time. The, a good test is how to create a thumbnail is when you zoom out, if you're using camera, if you're using Photoshop, if you zoom out and that thumbnail is incredibly small, it's really tiny. And then you see, like, what 
are you able to see on, from that thumbnail? Can you see people? Can you see text? Because if you cannot, then it's a problem. Because people see YouTube thumbnails in a column on the side, and it's very small. It's really tiny. Nobody, not a single person will ever see a thumbnail that is big. Um, and that's where this typical designers, B2B designers, they, they don't know how to create YouTube designs because YouTube designs are quite ugly. If we were to look at the actual design, if you, if you take all the design language, it does look quite ugly. But the job of the YouTube thumbnail, it has only one job, and that job is to get a person to click on it. There's no yeah. other job. It's not winning any awards. And it's a very difficult battle because a lot of designers, and I totally get it, they don't want to create something that looks weird or something yeah. that doesn't adhere to the standards. And that there's that compromise. Wow, that's really interesting, right? If you're a designer, that's got to be tough because you're trained to make things that look good and nice and not ugly. <laughs> you yeah. know, and huh? Wow, really? Okay, I I create a lot of YouTube thumbnails for you know a podcast I produce, and I think I've, I'm making pretty much every single mistake that you're talking about. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to learn this. I'm going to have to change what I do. So, another question: What kind of videos tend to work best for B two B companies on YouTube? And before you answer, I ask this because. I, I was reading about this recently, and I I saw a chart. It was from like a website, I think, called Marketing Trends or Marketing Info or something like that. And it was a list of the types of B2B content, according to some study they did, that are most popular with B2B buyers. And at the top of the list were how-to type videos and like instructional videos. I guess those are kind of the same thing. But, you know, so very practical how to, here's how to solve problem X, those kind of videos, which made sense to me because that's what I tend to watch on YouTube when I'm trying to figure something out. But I'm wondering how that squares with, with what you've seen. Very much so. Very much so. It's a, a very educational how-to content, practical, a, a, as practical as it gets because a lot of times... And, and it does speak more to bottom to bottom and mid funnel. A lot of times it's mid funnel or bottom of the yeah. funnel because we need to remember that we are in a, in a niche B2B industry. And for example, it's very difficult to talk about, well, here are the top 10 deepest bunkers in the world and take that topic and somehow connect it to your SaaS software or to your SaaS service. That's a great video. Like I can guarantee that if I make that video, a lot of people will watch because I'm curious. I would love to see how, like the Chinese bunker that Xi Jinping can go in. It's apparently 2,000 meters down in the ground and could hold 1 million people. That is a truly fascinating topic. A lot of people would watch that. But is it B2B related? Is it related to your product or service? It's not. So yeah. my point is that it's very difficult to create a top-of-the-funnel content that is interesting, yet it's it's not how to. It's 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 just general. You could you could make a you could make like a top ten pieces of software to for email, or you could talk about all all these kinds of things. But it is quite difficult in B two B to capture attention in top of in in top of the funnel terms if it's not something really practical. There are exceptions, of course, but it is more difficult. Yeah. Which makes sense to me. And in fact, on this chart that I saw, thought leadership type video content was all the way at the bottom. It was the least mm -hmm. popular. And 
again, just thinking about myself, my own content consumption habits, I'm like, yeah, if I want to go deeper on something, you know, like get, be stimulated in terms of my thoughts or like listen to some, you know, a really interesting conversation that's not super practical. I don't think I'm going to just sit and watch like a 40 minute video about that, you know, unless it's really, really well produced and it it yeah. has a strong visual element. But if it's just like people talking, for example, I think I'll just listen to it. And, you know, often in the kind of videos I'm talking about are often repurposed from podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I repurpose them from podcasts like that, but I'm kind of beginning to change my thinking on that a little bit. So, but, but, so what kind of thought leadership, yeah. what kind of top of funnel video content actually does seem to work? So, so before, before getting that, Jeremy, I think to answer your previous question, because I don't think I, I did, which videos in general you said would work? on on youtube in general terms something shorter something up to 10 up to 15 minutes that is has certain highlights that is mm-hmm. usually better like for example could full webinar 55 minute webinar work or two hour webinar work absolutely can if it is showing really powerful use cases if it talks about uh, how we built something or how we uh, help this company and it shows workflows and it has all these technical things absolutely people will be watching but if it's just, for example, a podcast conversation, it is quite difficult unless there's some somebody who's very well known or the conversation is so extreme that people are absolutely shocked. Very, un- very unlikely, very difficult yeah. to achieve. So shorter content works quite, uh, quite a bit better. In terms of, it doesn't mean that it's not worth uploading long form, but short form would be, I will prioritize that uh, first. And We'll get to YouTube Shorts in a moment. But in terms of uh, top of the funnel videos, which topics, I will say that it has to be related to your business somehow. That's a big mistake B2B companies make where they start with a thought leadership that it is genuinely interesting, but it is in no way related to their work. Like you would be watching this and no way you'll have like, oh, is this is this how this this related to this company? The challenge with those things is it might look cool, but Typically, from five to 10 episodes, that project gets killed and those videos are never done anymore because it doesn't make any sense. When you're producing content, especially video, it's really, it's expensive, very difficult to justify when folks are pouring their money in and it is like completely has nothing to do with what you're trying to sell. So thought leadership content has to be somehow related. It has to have some element of interest. Um, Certainly, we're not going to be able to compete with the top 10 bunkers in the world video or like, uh, or, you know, like B2C style videos, that will be quite difficult to do, but it has to be related in some way. And we'll have to, I'll need more concrete examples to get maybe some suggestions on here's, here's some of the things that you could talk about and, and prioritizing slightly shorter content would be better. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm hearing is, let's say you're a B2B company and, and you, you have a podcast and, you know, episodes are typically 30 minutes long, something like that. Mm-hmm. You record the video, maybe instead of producing the entire episode, maybe choose from that two or three five-minute clips that are highlights from the episode and then publish those separately. And you can maybe link them to the episode and say, for the full episode, go listen to it over here. Does that sound Absolutely. like a good strategy? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. It, it does perform better. It does perform yeah. better, especially if you have... The right guests, for example, you could always say, here's how this ex-PayPal employee describes relationship with 
money. Or mm. here's how this XPay pal employee climbed career career in, in, in this company. A lot of people would watch that. And it's a yeah. two, three minute interview and it starts immediately, immediately from the first second, this guy, he doesn't even, there's no question. There's no, it's, it's right immediate. It. Yeah, it gets right to it. And that's where you, you ask the first question, what B2B marketers can do better on YouTube is obviously watch well-performing videos and then just deconstruct why they perform so well. And as a matter of fact, here, you could just look at all of them because those are princi- principles are quite universal in the sense that you need to capture attention immediately. It is very difficult to do in B2B. It is possible to do. Uh, for example, you have a podcast and, and that's resources that takes time. That's understandable. But like going through it and seeing the really key highlights, key highlight responses, putting that as a little sequence at the beginning, that's already pretty good. That's not too bad. That's, that's a pretty good start. Okay. Wow. Really interesting. Well, you know, we still have shorts to talk about, but we're con- we're just about out of time, actually, unfortunately. So let's save that for another discussion. Already, sure. we've covered so much ground. I mean, again, like I personally, I'm really glad we're doing this. I'm taking notes and learning a lot. I'm like, wow, I really have to change my <laughs> YouTube video strategy. So, Sergey, I'm sure all, our listeners are going to want to learn more. So how can people connect with you? So they could connect with me on LinkedIn, which would be a link which we could easily add to a show notes. The other option is they could drop a note uh, through our company page that is use sway, uh, S-W-A-S-W-A-Y dot C-O. So it's our company page. There are a bunch of videos, examples of what we do, and there's a contact form. We could talk about videos, but if uh, anybody who's listening wants to connect with me directly, talk about anything related video content creation, uh, chat GPT, for example, there are lots of different mm. things that you could do there, especially with a fourth version. Easiest would be a LinkedIn and um, we could probably add the, a link in, in the description. Okay, excellent. Well, we'll, we will indeed put a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes and listeners definitely get in touch with Sergey as obviously he knows what he's talking about when it comes to video and YouTube. So Sergey, thank you so much for a great discussion. I, I learned a lot. Thank you very much, Jeremy. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at Conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.